So All hey, right. we're started, right? No. Yeah, we're yeah, recording. Yeah, we're recording. We're recording. That stupid punk rock. I don't, you know, I just think of it as rock and roll because that's what it is. Neighbors. All right, uh, this is uh, the Punk Rock Chronicles podcast. I'm Stan. Uh, we've got Bob, or actually Rob, aka Bob the Bastard. Hello. And we've got Chris, super producer Turnagle. There we are again. I'm glad you added super to that because <laughs> it's legit. So, uh, how's everyone doing today? How are you doing today, Bob? Oh, man, I'm doing fucking fantastic. One, we've got like a super fucking rad show that I'm looking forward to tonight. So, right off the bat, I'm in a good mood. And uh, two, I'm doing this podcast with my friends, which is, like you said before, always awesome. You know, the, it's just kind of reminiscing from the last episode with Casey Royer. I think we got a, a lot of great feedback from that show. People were just digging it. I was getting hit up from people actually from all over the world were hitting me up about this uh, episode with Casey. So if you haven't seen it, you definitely have to have to check it out. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, uh, what's going on? Well, one thing that's kind of going on that we were, we were tripping out on is uh, we got kind of a fish, fish attacked earlier uh, this week um, where somebody was, I'm believing from a different country, was taking our Where the County Line Ends, the evolution of Orange County Punk logo that we've developed, and started putting it on merchandise, and then we're trying to get some of the people that follow our page to buy the merchandise, and then we think that the merchandise would never get printed, and they would steal from you guys, and I'm glad nobody took part of that, and we caught it early on, because I remember, uh, I think it was early in the morning, like 8 or 9 a.m., and I get a, a, a text message from, from Bob the Bastard going, dude, check this out. Yeah, we're, we're really... Pre- <laughs> We're really protective of our intellectual property, man. I mean, we worked so hard on this, and um, we're not going to let some fucking scammers come in and and rip off our fa- our our friends and our our you know fan. And I don't want to say fans, I guess, but whoever they are, people that are following us, our like-minded us, friends, our supporters, right? Our uh, yeah, people that you know that support the projects because and, you know. And you know what? Stan's absolutely right. There is no merchandise. It's just a phishing scam to get your credit card numbers. You know, that's what it is. It's funny because, uh, yeah, I saw they uh, we took it down and then right away they took our flyer, our promo flyer for the Casey Royer show. And they threw that on T-shirts and and coffee mugs. And they were trying to (laughs) pass that that one off. That was pretty funny. That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I want it. I want that shirt. That shirt was badass. Don't get me wrong. It looked cool, but it's like. Okay, how real is this, you know? And then uh and then I was like I was in the Fender's ballroom group uh, a little later that day checking things out and I see the same exact thing going on in that room. Uh they've got the the Fender's ballroom and you know, I'm like, "Oh, this guy's posted on there. Yeah, you know, I've been following this page for a while. I've been selling a bunch of these shirts. Check it out." And I I you know, I clicked the link, and maybe that's the problem. I clicked the damn link. I shouldn't have clicked the link, but I clicked the link, and it was exactly mirror image of the one that was on our page. So, 
Man, it, it's amazing the kind of shit people pull off. Um, you know, there's a, a page I, I follow. Um, these guys are called Born Scum. A lot of our friends follow their, their page, and they're like a motorcycle lifestyle, you know, company. And I think they do OEM parts, but they do a lot of mer- uh, like merchandise, like shirts and hats and flannels. And those guys have been hacked repeatedly. They keep having to go on and go, hey, man, we got hacked. Don't buy this. Don't don't follow this link. Don't do that. And in addition, these poor fucking guys, they've had their shop broken into like numerous times. I think I want to say they're out of Riverside somewhere, but they've moved out of the state. They're just like fucking wow. over it. You know, yeah. they've had their shit broken into so many times. And then not that the fishing online fishing stuff is going to stop if you move out of state. But I think the this the accumulation of all that that drama um, drove them out of the state, man. So that's a shame, and I think that's happening in a lot of companies. I have no idea how to how to deal with it other than catch it, report it, and warn everybody. You know. All right. So now that we've gotten our little scammer alert out of the way, public service announcement. What do we got brewing for tonight? Uh, so uh, I'm stoked on this one, man. This is uh, a band. So. When we first were doing this podcast, or even anything, projects, I mean, I was working on in the past, I've always wanted to do something with Dayglobe Abortions, and but how the hell do you do something with Dayglobe Abortions, right? They're in Canada, they're, you know, not nearby, they can't come into the studio, they have a book already, you know, Chris, Chris Walter wrote their biography, which is a killer book, um, so... Being on this format we have now, we're able to actually have Murray call in. He's the singer-guitarist for Dayglow Abortions to uh, call in and we'll get to talk to him. Uh, what am I, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, man. There's, I have so many favorite bands. It's like I, I keep saying one of my favorite bands because I like all these bands, man. It's like I, I still listen to all these bands over and over again. And Dayglow Abortions is one band that I, sta- I can't stop listening to, you know. 30 years later so yeah Dayglow abortions will be uh calling in in a little bit so can you give a little history lesson or a little um backstory on tonight's on this meetup oh so yeah so it's funny because we were actually supposed to interview him in the past but he no showed us and which you know it's cool whatever you know we're all hanging out waiting for for murray to call in but uh, apparently uh, he uh, ended up dropping some uh, hallucinogens. And got- <laughs> do you still have the text? Uh, yeah. I, I do, actually. I do. If, if you guys, if you guys want to hear the text, uh, I can. It's I can. like the best part of this whole. Um, yeah, preview. I mean, if you're gonna no show, it's, it's got to be something cool, right? It can't be like, oh, I forgot. No. Well, so, what did he say? So we're waiting. So we're waiting for Murray. Murray doesn't. He doesn't call, and uh, we we try to contact him a few times. We don't get any response until the next day. And then Stan here gets this text message, okay? Dude, I am so sorry. At 8, I was ready and waiting for your message. Then the LSD kicked in, and I blew the shift. (laughs) 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 One, one, I've never heard anyone, when somebody fucks up, say, I blew the shift. That's a fucking (laughs) rad term. Uh, Then he he goes on to say, uh, staying with uh, these people that are really into hallucinogens, and uh, what can I say? They are my Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> so he's still enjoying the, the, you know, a dose here and there. So that's cool, you know. And uh, for each his own. I mean, you know, uh, hallucinogens can be therapeutic too, you know. And uh, 
And sometimes, you know, I've always always had like a, you know, always had those friends that could just drop crazy amounts of acid, you know, when we were growing up. And I just, it would blow my mind. I'm like, how much, how can these people handle so much LSD at one time? And I think Murray might be one of those guys, you know, because he's still going at it, which is cool. So, uh, but, you know, he's back. He he apologized, but he didn't have to apologize because I thought the re- the, per- the reason for no-showing us was totally legit. And um, so, but he did, you know, I'll say he can reschedule, and I reached out to him, and we uh, postponed the show. So we're at it now. We're in studio, and we'll be reaching out to uh, reaching out to him to talk about, you know, day-glow abortions. So the thing that I'm really excited about with um – the Dayglow abortions is that um, not only have they have they been around forever, man. Like they came up eighty one. Yep, came up it was with that first album, right? Yeah, uh, and that was out of the womb. Yes. Yeah. So that was eighty one, and so they were navigating punk rock when it was still pretty raw. And then the cool, not cool thing in retrospect for history, um, it's cool. But um, they were really one of those bands that were heavily targeted by the PMRC, the Parent Music Resource Center, which was run by a bunch of fucking wide Washington wives um, that didn't like <laughs> profanity. Was and, it Tipper? Yeah, Tipper Gore. Tipper's Gore. Remember that band? There was a band called Tipper's, Tipper's Gore. Yeah, man. So all these metal <laughs> yeah. bands were getting fucked up like Wasp and like, you know, whatever fucking uh, Twisted Sister. But there were some punk rock bands that were caught up in a mix of Dead Kennedys, um, Day Glow Abortions, um, I don't know. There were a bunch of uh, punk bands. <laughs> Did uh, Gigi, Gigi Allen miss Gigi, that? I wonder why. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Gigi, Gigi had that one legendary, uh, a bunch of hypocritical fucking, you know, he went on this rant in the courtroom. I don't know what that what, what that was referring to, but <laughs> it was the same era. So, like, these guys really were on the forefront of, like, freedom of speech and freedom of expression way back in the 80s when it was being really challenged. And I know. It, it, you know? It's funny because, like, I remember the court hearings with Jello, like, wearing a, a a suit and stuff. We used to watch that. I guess it was on local news. They would show, like, and tonight, like, da-da-da. But you never heard about Dayglo abortions. At least I don't. I just remember hearing about, like, Luke Skywalker and the Two Life crew. It was always oh, yeah, these those big, guys the got fucked bands. with, yeah. Well, when I, when I researched some of this stuff, uh, one, they, they were, I think, I'm not sure if they were on the list of official worst albums in America. Like, there was, like, this impromptu list they had but they definitely were fucked up in canada in canada they were going after them it cost them they weren't getting their albums were getting pulled and i'm sure he'll tell you more than i can i just know from what i've read and 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 what i remember from way back in the 80s and let me tell you i've done a few hallucinogens myself so i don't trust my memory 100 percent. but i know they were mixed up in that shit so for me it's like i love i'm a history buff with that shit so i love um all like Dayglow have been through a lot of shit, and I'm interested to hear what he has to say about that. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the interview, man. All right, with that said, uh, Chris, you want to take us out into the next uh, segment with the song? I'm going to play Chicken Shit Conformist by Dead Kennedys. I haven't heard that song in fucking years, dude. Well, you're going to hear all 20 minutes of it. (laughs) All right, so uh, we'll be back, and uh, we'll be back in like 20 minutes. All right. Deserves to die when it becomes another stale cartoon. 
A closed-minded, self-centered social club Ideas don't matter, it's who you know If the music's gone Drive the bright people out of our so-called scene Till all that's left is just a meaningless fad I got one in the darkness Shake me carrying out what we are Is this a state of mind? Or just another labor? The giant puzzle that I'll turn it in Has become a dumb country
Hey, what's up, dude? Hey, what's up, man? We got you finally. How are you doing Getting today? Complicated there, all of a sudden. Yeah, you know yeah, what? I totally forget. I, oh, that's I, right. Yeah, um, I'm not. I've never called anyone in Canada. I know we 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 did an interview with somebody in Germany, and and so they're like, "Oh no, we can't call." We so we used Messenger on Facebook, and it seemed to work out. But um, yeah, oh, yeah. So, uh, I guess it's just like calling, you know, down the street, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it should be okay. I mean, I'm just out of minutes in my day. I didn't realize that. I fucking don't know why. <laughs> I, I know why I didn't notice that because I get free calls inside the country. So nice, nice. Well, oh, yeah. Well, hey, let me introduce you to the team here. So I'm Stan. You, you've been talking to me the whole time, uh, arranging this. So we, we appreciate the phone call. Uh, we've got Bob the bastard. Uh, he's okay. in the studio. Um, and then we've got Chris. Uh, the, he's the producer, Chris producer. Hello. And uh, yeah, so it's a it's a three man tag team tonight. Um, and so yeah, man, how, how you feeling? I know I know we had to reschedule this. You had a little bit of a trip that last time, right? I certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, rad, man. Visit some friends, and uh, I was sort of uh, going you know, treading water for a day or so there, you know. That's right. So, what what would you what were you taking? Like, was it LSD mushrooms or? Oh yeah, LSD there. Nice, nice man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, man, I used to be a yeah, huge one of my fan. sort of weaknesses, I guess you might say. Awesome, man. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, calling in and or us calling you, but being available because uh, we're all all three of us are huge Day Glow abortions fans and. And for me personally, where, just, where about you guys from anyway? Just out of curiosity, we're uh, we're in, we we grew up in Huntington Beach, California. So it's in Orange oh, County. Yeah, Huntington Beach, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like little surfer, skater kid, punker kids growing up, and you know, Dayglo Abortions was definitely uh, in our in our uh, record collection growing up, and and what was rad, it just uh. it just pissed everybody off. It pissed off the parents, it pissed off, you know, other people, and I, the yeah, music the was great. Even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I done. know, I know. We were out in left field even for the punkers, it seems, sometimes. Oh, well, you know, as they say, the dark, complicated sense of humor is like uh, clean drinking water. Most people don't get it. <laughs> well, you know, something happened tonight that's never happened uh, before on our podcast, and that's a, a friend of ours. Uh, shout out to Eric Risen. This dude calls in and he's just fucking shit faced, and he's going on and on about how much he loves Daglo abortions and how he's stoked about this interview. We we listen to that day in and day out. And so, but two dogs fucking, oh, the best, the best album that has ever been created. Daglo abortions, just the name alone. Let's you know that band is fucking awesome, and they're the best. 
So that's never happened. Oh, killer. Yeah. So, killer. Yeah. So uh, big fan there. So, yeah. So thanks for having us on. Man, we have so much to get to. Um, you've been, you, you know, your band has been around for so long, since 80, 81, right? Since 1980 we started, yeah. I think we did our first recording just at the end of 1980. 80, you know, it, it, it took a while to get out. It came out on Toxic Shock, I guess, first out of L.A. there. And uh, it, it took a couple of years for us to get anything going on. But, uh, yeah, in 1980 we started. It formed out of a dregs of another band I had. What was the name of the other band? The other band had a lot of names, but it was initially called the Sick Fox, <laughs> which, of course, nobody would put on a poster in 1980, so we went through a whole bunch of names. That were, you know, uh, People tried to do all kinds of things, but whatever. We had a terrible singer anyway, so it didn't last really last about a year. Our singer was one of those female singers that's just like, I mean, there was female singers that sang out a key that were cool. And then there was the ones where you just, oh, you couldn't listen to another note of it. We had one of those ones. <laughs> yeah, it's hit, it's hit and miss sometimes, right? For sure. So you guys, uh, yeah, you guys, so you guys, how did you guys even then form Dayglow Abortions? Like, so you're, you're in a band, the Sick, Sick Fox, is that what it was? Yeah, 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 that's right. And then, uh, yeah, and, so uh, how did that evolve? Essentially, we played this, we played our last, uh, the last show that band played was over at this club in Vancouver called The Smiling Buddha, which is really where the Vancouver scene started for the most part. It was like the whole Northwest Coast scene came out of The Smiling. We got Dead Boys played there, everybody played there, you know? And uh, anyways, we, uh, we uh, got a... <laughs> We, the guy, we got paid uh, free advertising for a year, the guy told us, <laughs> for our last show there. And the guy handed me a case of Dayglow brand spirit paint. He said, there's your free advertising, kid. Go knock yourself out. You know? <laughs> so I, I had this uh, case of Dayglow orange, fluorescent orange Dayglow brand spray paint. And uh, I decided, I, and we had another gig lined up, and I had some songs that were really taking it to the next level I figured from uh, I was trying to write stuff that the singer would be too embarrassed to sing and things essentially <laughs> I mean I was a teenager you know so, and uh, I uh, had, but I, had a, I had a gig or two booked so I told I got a couple of friends of mine I, the bass player from the uh, old band was with us and I got another guy playing drums, old bonehead there. And I said, "Look, we're going to be the Dayglow, whatever the first word, most frequently used word on the front page of the paper is." And uh, so we go over to Bonehead's house and picked up the paper, and there was it was uh, an abortion clinic had been raided in Montreal. Oh damn! That, I guess the day before, and that was it. It was all over the front page of the paper: abortion, abortion, abortion. And I was like, "Wow, thank you, God." <laughs> that is like a prolific name, too. Man, Dayglo abortion so in your you know? face. Yeah, it's like the best thing about it was is that no matter what happened, the band could never go corporate or anything like that because you couldn't sell fucking condoms with goddamn abortions in your name for great sake <laughs> you know so with no advertising potential whatsoever with the name all kinds of stuff like that and uh, I like it it's stuck it's catchy it's a catchy you know it sticks in people's heads that's right <laughs> causes uh, the occasional demonstration and stuff the actual they had it like a there was a big you know pro-life versus pro-choice rallies going on for quite a while there right after that in Canada and uh we went down to one of them. With them. We made a bunch of signs. We made some signs of like hockey sticks for the posts, and then we had got to some baby 
like baby dolls and strung them through the ears on coat hangers <laughs> and mar- <laughs> marching around like this. And both sides, the pro-lifers and the pro-choices banded together to attack us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you pissed everybody <laughs> off. Yep. It was pretty good, you know? We were kind of a unifying force there in a way. And uh, yeah, I all I really remember clearly is the cops getting really mad and making us leave. But uh, this guy in a Barney suit just beating the hell out of one of the bunkers with a, you know, like a pretty well a two by four. And he was just pounding on this bunker with it. And Barney was pretty mean in that one there, but uh, <laughs> it was fun. That was good fun back then. People were really, really riled up about it. And they were smashing the windows of record stores. And every time we uh, showed any up anywhere, they were, they came to the school that I was at and started, you know, attacking me at school. I got attacked by a mob of hippie hippie women sort of thing, big fat hippie women, not meaning to lump anybody in any category or anything like that, but they were, you know, but uh, it, was, it was good fun back then. Wait, you know, so you were in school, it. right? <laughs> What's that? You said you were in school, like were you in high school at that time, or do you call it high school in Canada? I was, no, that was, I, was in a, I was in a community college taking an electronics program. And, uh, like, you know, you said two-year electronics technology program I took. I did that for years. Oh, okay, okay. And Actually, I chasing. didn't take school for years. I worked at that for years. Now I just fix my guitars and my amps and shit. So uh, right out of the gate then, right out from 81, from the inception of the band and the name he chose, you guys just were right in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff, huh? With the abortion yeah. debates? Yeah, there was that... Uh, and I mean, it uh, didn't take too long for the whole PMRC thing to pile to get in there as well, too. And uh, I mean, it was that. When did that start? Anyway, that started in sort of like the mid eighties, from what right? I remember. I think it was when eighty six. Uh... It was that late. Okay, yeah. Well, we got we got actually arrested in, or our record company got arrested in Canada in was it eighty nine? I guess it would have been eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah, right around the same time as the PMRC thing. We got we went right to the Supreme Court, and uh, they had to rewrite the Canadian Constitution because of it, <laughs> because uh, because we won. <laughs> and, so, uh, so you um, th- what what kicked that off? From what I read, you know, doing a, a little research on you guys um, in eighty yeah. eight, uh, there was a police officer and. Ontario started a, right, a criminal yeah. investigation because his daughter brought home a copy of uh, Here Today, Guano Tomorrow, right? His daughter was actually making a bootleg recording of a copy of it, which I believe is a felony in some countries. And him and the mayor got together and decided that they just had to put a stop to this stuff. Eh? So it was the record company got charged with manufacturing for the purpose and distribution for possession for the purpose and manufacturing for the purpose of distributing obscene material, right. which was the, the way it was described in the constitution. And they had to strike that act out and it was close. It was actually, uh, I was a uh, hung jury. It was six to four, I guess in, uh, our favor. And, uh, apparently the, like if we were talking, they wouldn't let us anywhere near the court case. Eh? So we stayed at home for that. But, uh, they, uh, I was talking to this reporter who was in the, actually in the court at the time and he'd phone me, I was sitting in a bar and he'd phone the bar and we'd get on the phone and find out every time something happened in the, on the last day there. And he said that, uh, they played the record for the jury or one of the records. It was the first two albums that were in question there. He played the record for the jury 
And uh, they were all laughing their heads off. So the prosecution got all mad. They took it off. They went and got this old English professor from Carleton University to come in. Some 80-year-old guy with Parkinson's disease or something came in and read the lyrics to the jury out of context from the song. Right? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and he said, this, then, blah, blah, you know, and apparently when they got into it, oh yeah, the guy said that, said, uh, I killed mummy. Was it that it? No, it, it was, uh, I the hamster that almost did it. Oh, shit. And, uh, <laughs> Which is a true story, of course, too. So, I mean, which is, you know, but anyway, the, uh, he said the part where it said each hamster had an orgasm at the very instant of its death. The guy goes, the judge put his pen down and looks at everybody and just goes, my God. I guess <laughs> 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 he said, you could just been so quiet in the courtroom and everything like that. Everybody's looking at each other going, wow, that sounded a little funnier when there was music to it, didn't it? But, uh, so I'm sure... I actually, got, same... I actually got that from a guy from Hustler Magazine did an interview with me years ago and I asked him, are you any good stories from Hollywood? I know there's some good stuff going on there. And he told me about the Richard Gere thing. Oh, yeah. The so turtle, right? It was the truth. No, that's, yeah, the so I figured, oh, that's got to be the truth yep. then. Yeah. That's funny. So let me let me ask you this, man. So I, I'm sure that that had an adverse effect on um, distribution. And at the same time, uh, your U.S. releases were being um, uh, released through Alternative Tentacles and Jello Biafra, right? That's right. They did the same thing. That, well, yeah, they sort of did them. I mean, I don't know what happened was with with the dead kennedy stuff but the dead kennedy's records were kind of somehow implicated in the same thing because fringe product the label we were on they distributed the dead kennedy stuff in canada as well too and uh so they dragged him and from what i understand talking to jello there they uh what essentially happened was uh fringe didn't give them any of their royalties that he owed them and he actually owed us a lot too he just more or less, and then there was a bunch of benefits got done across the country and the money got sent to them quite a lot of money plus uh an organization, uh, some sort of group to do with journalists and things that was champions of freedom of expression, actually paid for their damn court case. And he pissed off with all of the money, eh? Oh, Still, oh, he, wow. yeah, 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 which is, that's sort of standard practice for the record industry thing, I think, anyway. But, uh, but yeah, that's what happened there. So both us and uh, the Dead Kennedys got burned on that one. So what about your but, shows? Uh, how, how did uh, the all that controversy affect your, your shows? Were you able to get gigs? Uh, and we went from being just... Yeah, yeah, we went from nobody knew gave a shit about his stuff. <laughs> I wanted, I tried to write a thank you letter to the mayor of Nepean and his buddy Jim Fitzgibbons, the cop that was involved there, and uh, I just couldn't get their address. I wanted, I wanted to write a letter to them telling them, look, I know this isn't the way you guys hoped it was going to turn out, but I got to really thank you guys because nobody gave a shit about us until now, and now we're huge. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's what happened. I've been on the news every night for a month and stuff like this. Everybody knows about us now. Now, it was, it was, you know, it's a good thing. Publicity, as they say, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And uh, yeah. that one proved that pretty well. Yeah, no, it, it got us around. I mean, we were doing all right, actually. We were popular everywhere except for in our hometown. Everybody else seemed to think we were pretty damn funny, but not in our hometown so much. Yeah, but, so you uh, weren't getting too many gigs locally. But you guys came to the United States a lot. I mean, I, I just remember seeing you 
flyers for day glow abortions all the time, like in Southern California. And you guys, are, you guys came yeah, out here we quite a bit, there right? a fair bit. Pretty well, pretty well without fail until more or less until nine one one happened, and then there was just no sneaking across the border anymore. Essentially, uh, I've uh, I've been ejected a couple of times from the states for working without a green card too. So uh, uh, the last um, the last one, yeah, the last one I got caught. Like me and our drummer, Blind Mark, we were going across on a, this boat to Seattle and I'd just say I'm taking my buddy to a ball game and stuff like this. We did it a bunch of times. But uh, when we got caught, of course, they keep record of all of this. So I got caught lying to a federal official multiple times there. Really? And uh, which I was lucky they didn't actually stick that one on me because you're gone forever if they do that. But I did get five years, booted out of the country for five years. Oh, and that, uh, that was, yeah, that was a bit of a drag there. But, but once the five years was up, I came back. And I've been back in a few times now. But then I guess the last time we were trying to come in, we were going to do a trip with leftover crack. And uh, Trump shut sick. down Trump shut down the damn... Uh, uh, oh, was it during uh, the COVID situation? And we couldn't get our work visas. Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't get the work visas, which was uh, are, are, a bummer. Are and you then, able to sneak across? Like, uh, cause yeah, I, I have a, I have a buddy up in Canada, uh, and he actually yeah. snuck, he sneaks across and shit. They don't even know when he comes over. And, uh, cause he, yeah, he's in the same thing. Like he can't just come over and, and visit his twin brother. So he'll like yeah. sneak across and, and then he'll sneak back. <laughs> you know, I have a question for well, you. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've done it a bunch of times and it really didn't used to be that hard. Now it's not that easy. There's a, you gotta go really rural to get anywhere across now there used to be a spot right over in Vancouver where you could just go through the packages it was like a Burger King or something like that and there was a big hedge and you just crawl through the hedge and you were in the <laughs> states you know but uh, then we were getting uh, Mike a uh, guy used to play guitar with us a uh, native Indian dude and we'd go across with his mom and, and her boyfriend and, and their van and they never got checked because the natives have sort of got an open pass at the border there and uh so uh, that worked pretty good for a while, but then they got real tight once nine one one came in there. Go figure. And uh, yeah, so now I pretty well couldn't go get a six pack without a fucking work visa. Oh shit! Which when, is, when was the last time you were in the states? Out of curiosity, uh, last time I came was in uh, just before COVID. We uh, let's see now. We did went from Seattle all the way down to Texas there with uh, Starving Wolves. Oh. So my, our, fr- our, friend, uh, our friend Eric had asked me to ask you if you guys had yeah. ever planned on doing a show in Hemet with um, um, oh, Ang- uh, Angry Simones. Was there ever a show planned in 2020 with the Angry Simones out here? Was that ever Not in 2020 because we played some with them back in uh, 82, I think it was. Okay. And we like that was our first time in the States as we did some shows. We played Fourth of July at the Babuhe Gardens in San Francisco and shit and oh, a few wow. other shows around around California. well, around that part of California in the Bay Area and then uh, we ended up running into trouble. We missed a couple of shows, lost one of our players and stuff, things were crazy. But uh, but no, we had a we've had a funny falling out with Metal Mike there for some reason. Actually I know what it's all about and it's kinda of funny, but uh you see, uh, he really liked Vancouver punk bands. Eh? <laughs> and uh, he said, hey, why don't you guys buy me a bunch of Vancouver punk band albums, like the singles, and send them to me? 
Sure, no problem. So he goes and writes Bonehead a bloody blank check and gives it, <laughs> gives it oh, to shit. our drummer. And uh, Bonehead kind of just forgot about it. It was in his wallet for about a year or so. <laughs> and we were sitting there one day, and we had no money, no beers, no weed, no nothing. And he goes, what are you going to do? And Bonehead goes, you know, I still got that blank check from Metal Mike. And I go, get the fuck out of here. Let's go see if we can nice. do something. So we went downtown. And I think he filled it in to like 300 bucks or something like that. Right. And just walked into the bank. And back then, you know, he just showed it to him. Blam, he had the cash. And, uh, yeah, we went out and spent it on ourselves. We never got it to metal night. <laughs> then my space is happening. And my friend makes, my, my roommate makes friends with metal night on uh my space. And he says, Hey, do you ever know this band, the Dagos? And uh, he goes, Yeah, I know the Dagos. He goes, he goes, but then he explained that look, I was I was sort of felt bad about that and I was willing to come clean on it. I said, I've got like just millions of those records you want. How about if I just get them all digital digitized and I'll send it off like a huge collection of Vancouver punk rock all digitized. And he goes, the only way you can ever fucking come clean on this is if you mail me your entire record collection. Oh, and I said, well, you know what? Fuck yourself. <laughs> You're not <getting> that, you <laughs> know? Um, a little so too much. I got a feeling we're probably not, I mean, not going to be playing with them. But I mean, I had a friend, my friend Adrian, who used to play bass for uh, Press Logic there, played with him for a while and shit like that. And his girlfriend was hitting on me, I swear to God. She actually made me cookies and mailed me a bunch of cookies and like twice she mailed me batches of homemade cookies oh, nice. and then she came to our show down in uh down in uh was it? I think it was in arizona somewhere she came to our show with her daughter wow hey yeah, so but, uh, you guys have a you guys are you guys have like that crossover punk you know just you you know mix mash you know um style uh, what's you have a, a metal influence, even though you make fun of the the metal metalers. Uh, can you talk a little uh, you bit know, about your uh, your your background in that? Sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I grew up in the seventies, eh, for the most part. So it was in the seventies. I'd spent my entire life trying to find music as creepy as the creepy part in Peter and the Wolf. That was my first record I had. And there's a spot in Peter and the Wolf, the Walt Disney record there, when uh, Peter goes through the woods and the wolf is stalking him and it goes all down to brass and woodwinds. It goes, dum, 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 dum. You know, it's all Jaws kind of sounding. And I just love that. I wore that part of that record out and I spent the, my years trying to find that. I found a couple of things. And then I found Black Sabbath Master of Reality. Eh? And that just, that was it. That blew the fucking room ceiling out of the sky or whatever you want to say you know and uh, I was uh, that, I really got into Black Sabbath and shit like that that would have been like 72 73 something like that and uh, I got in big on that and then Ozzy went and left Black Sabbath or he got kicked out or whatever happened and I started looking at all the other bands and they're all wearing fucking spandex and eyeliner and singing with high squealy voices and I was like, I'm fucking signing up for this shit. And I <laughs> looked around at everything and um, I got I went through a few phases. I got into some really weird shit like I was a big Captain Beefheart fan and, and Frank Zappa was I was always had been really into Frank Zappa. I just loved his humor and the sarcasm and shit. And uh, I kept hearing about this punk rock stuff, right? But I lived in a, in Victoria here where I lived. 
we're not exactly right at the peak of the cutting trends or anything like that. It takes a while for stuff to get here, and uh, we sure did back then. But uh, I kept hearing about the sex pistols and stuff like this. I mean, I had I think I had a I knew they had an Easy Pop album and stuff like that. But uh, and I'd heard MC5 and those kind of things. But these sex pistols sounded like something really new and weird. And, uh, but they wouldn't play it on the radio. <laughs> the only would say is how shitty they were and that they spat on old ladies and stuff, which sounded hilarious. I'm like, right on, cool. And um, so uh, I kind of made up my own. I figured, well, it's going to be really fast and really heavy, obviously, if it's this angry. And, <laughs> and I just kind of made up my own thing that really wasn't very much like the punk rock, I guess. It was sort of more my the metal influences that I had. There's some bands and like bands like UFO and uh, and there's a weird band Armageddon that has had like this singer of the Keaton what is his name Ralph sort of the singer of the Yardbirds. They were really fast and raunchy and stuff like that was just starting to happen right in the early to mid seventies. There things were getting heavier and faster as they went along, and I just sort of went with that. I got. I mean, the first punk album I got was uh, The Dead Boys, Young, Love, and Snotty. And uh, I loved that. That was just amazing. I mean, that really struck a nerve with me. I thought it was so funny. I mean, I, I think everything's funny, actually, but uh, it's, I don't know where I get it from, It's but I just think everything's fucking funny. It is fucking funny, for Christ's sake. And uh, uh, I've always kind of, I mean, I like a lot of different styles of music. I don't, I'm not one of these people that just only listens to one style of music. I listen to pretty well everything. And I try and incorporate that into what I play. I mean, the day rooms are kind of stuck in a in a pretty narrow window there, but I still try and mix it up a little bit. There's a, if a song seems like it's going to be really a punk song, I'll try and make it a little more punk. Than, but if it's really got more angst and a little bit, you know, weirder, I just, I, I love metal. I'm just not so big into the devil worshiping and the Star Trek convention side of it. You know, I like, I like my stuff to be more based in reality. <laughs> you so, know what I mean? So were there certain bands that influenced in particular your guitar tone? Because, dude, the yeah. solos and the tone, it sets you guys apart from uh, so many punk bands. And it really, you, you guys really stand out in that way. Well, like, I mean, I've gone through a fair bit of changes in my gear that I used. Like, back in the original, like, God, I was using a, on the first Lego stuff, I was using a Sun, like a solid state Sun uh, guitar ramp and uh, and it, I didn't like the distortion much on it so I took a stereo home equalizer and put it in the effects loop and then cranked it so that it was used they used this uh, just a, a normal audio like a commercial uh, graphic equalizer for a distortion box essentially and then I could cut some of the grid out of it with the EQ and shit like that that was my gear until I until I went into tube amps and then I started using like I use like I got a sold animal I got a orange and I got a fucking triple rack and a few amps like that like tube amps now and I don't use any effects or anything I just go real raunchy I I, I like to keep the gain up really high but uh, but yeah I don't use really any effects or anything like that and you know, standard guitar I used a Telecaster originally because I had a nice old Telecaster that Lately, I've been using, I use a Ibanez RG because they're, they're beautiful guitars and you get a good one, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, were you, um, 
I mean, did it just come naturally to to incorporate solos into your music? Because at that time, it wasn't real popular in punk rock to to play a lot of lead. No, I don't think it's ever been popular, actually. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but there's nothing more fun. It's like jerking off in public, for Christ's sake. It's buckets <laughs> of fun. And, uh, and you know, and, and I do it as much for my own entertainment as I do it for anybody else's, believe me. Uh, you know, so... Uh, yeah, I've, I've always liked wanking a bit, you know? It's it's kind of fun. Even though it probably wasn't that good at it to start with, I've sort of slowly gotten better over the years and shit like that. And I do what I can do, you know? I'm not, I have no delusions of being like a Steve Vai or anything like that, but uh, but I'm all right. I can hold my own, you know? And I, and I have a lot of fun doing it, that's for sure. It, uh, you know, floats my boat, as they say. You know, I'm not a big solo fan, but I've always liked big little abortion solos, <laughs> for well, sure. Well, they're not so bad if you keep them short, you know? You just, exactly. it's, it's, a, it's a different thing in, in that song that's only a couple of minutes long and shit. It's only got a handful of seconds for your yeah. solo. Get so in, get out. It's like sure. drag racing, kind of. You just come out of there as soon as the light goes, you stomp on it, and, <laughs> and it's fun. It's, it's, hey, can, can we talk about my favorite album, Feed Us a Feed Us? Uh, sure. Can you talk about how that all came together? I mean, that's that's the first time I heard you guys. I, I was actually in, in high school around when that came out. And I remember I was actually in Germany visiting my brother. He was out there. And I hit up a, a record shop out there. And, and I couldn't find your album in in United States. Uh, I went to all our local record shops, and I couldn't find it. But I found it out in Germany, which was rad. And I brought that home, uh-huh. and um, yeah, I, just, I just played that album over and over again. Uh, how did that whole album come together? I mean, how, what was your experience with that? Okay, yeah. That was our first really full album. We had this one, Out of the Womb, it was called, which was essentially side one of Fetus of Fetus. But it was short. It was, uh, it was pretty short, and we did Fetus for... Toxic Shock, I guess it was then that talked to us and they went, you guys record another bunch of songs and we'll stick them together and make an album kind of thing like that. So we uh, went back in and did, did some more tunes and uh, the, I don't know where I got the the idea for that. I got the idea, that was my idea for the, I was a bit of a band Nazi for the most part so those were predominantly my ideas there to cover. A friend of ours, Randy, painted the cover for us and I thought that was particularly funny that D.D. USA Adidas on the on the presidential seal there or whatever. Oh yeah, Ronald that's gnarly. Nancy yep. Reagan. Totally. I, I thought that was. I got a real kick out of that. You know, they wouldn't let it into the states for a while there. Do you know why? Why is that? Not because of Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan, but because there was a McDonald's pin on his tie clip, and that was corporate blasphemy. Oh <laughs> we were wow! Using a restricted trademark or a registered trademark, eh? And. Uh, which I thought that was funny. He was, I mean, it's okay. He probably is a cannibal anyway. It was, you know, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's crazy. That, that album has uh, raised a few eyebrows. That record cover, it was actually, a, I mean, we've actually gotten a lot of, we got, I got a lot more flack for the cover of Guano than we got for, uh, for, uh, Fetus of Fetus. we got, God, we get people are putting it in in a book of the best punk rock covers of all time and shit like that. That's and intense, we just, yeah. and, uh, 
there was some, some magazine I just saw, or it was maybe it was an internet thing. I just saw one of the most disgusting record covers of all time, and we got a couple in that one. <laughs> I mean, with we, we the competition, we were we were way down there because the competition was a bunch of uh, Euro black metal bands with just the most really thoroughly obscene record covers. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just people just splitting apart. We're not we're not even that in that competition, you know. Really, when it gets down to it, but we still got honorable. Mentions anyway, but uh, yeah. it's more humorous, you know. Like you know but the into the record covers, like our newest one. I'm quite proud of the newest record cover. There, uh, uh, it's because the record's called Hate Speech, and it's uh, got a it's a cartoon. It's a it's a cartoon of Doctor Zeus characters sitting in a classroom, <laughs> and uh, it's got like these Doctor Zeus characters are sitting at the desks with big question marks above their heads, and there's this teacher standing there in the front, and he's got a piece of paper in his hand and he's barking all of these exclamation marks and asterisks at them and stuff like that and I kind of like that I thought it was it was very appropriate for the times and stuff like that seeing as uh, there's been so much cancellation of people I was thinking wow I'm getting close to retirement maybe I should go and cancel get canceled <laughs> but it Hate turns speech. out that that it's not as easy then, to do huh? as you think I don't know I mean for some reason I can seem to be able to get away with saying whatever I want people just go oh it's okay it's more he's just being sarcastic or something like this you know and, and I seem to get away with it but uh, there's a there's a song on it called You Were Raised on Chest Melt which uh, kind of goes right at the uh, the woke cancel culture crowd there which I think are sadly mistaken even though I know we probably all believe in the same things for the most part. We just have a different approach to it, you know. You can't you can't make the past go away for Christ's sake. It's uh, in fact it's a stupid thing to try, you know. Uh, and it's all of those fucking horrible things that our ancestors did before us that got us to where we are today. And this wonderful mess that we're in here today, you know. So you know things things aren't as simple as that. But uh, but I like uh, I like. I, I, I like I'm this whole political scenario that's going on in the world right now. I'm like fuck this shit, you know. I'm not into the right or the left or any of that kind of crap. It's that's all a delusion meant to keep people distracted. So well, if I'm going to get political on the record, I'm going to get weird about it, you know, because yeah. I'm weird. I guess. You guys have a lot of like all your album covers are pretty cool, man. Is it always like the same artist doing them, or um... no? He did a couple of them. Rand, the Randy guy did a, did uh, he, he did fetus of fetus, and he did uh, he did uh, no, he didn't do two dogs. Those other guys in the tattoo shop did two dogs. He did. Uh, he did do some one of the other. Oh no, I know it. He did the ones. There was two albums they did when I like. I quit the band for about five years and was had some other bands going on, and got real busy with this other sort of weird country band I had going on called Lummox. And uh, he uh, did a couple of albums. They did two albums there, uh, and he did the covers to those ones. And he might have done Holy Shiite as well too. But then. Uh, I've been making, when did I make, um, do some, well, I got my friend Ashtray painted the last one. And, uh, oh, it was Armageddon Survival Guide. Yeah, we got this guy from uh, Montreal we know. Paints a lot of murals. He's in a punk band. His name I can't even fucking remember. But uh, they uh, he did uh, Armageddon Survival Guide. Uh, so, is, uh, for people who don't 
aren't as familiar with your catalog as we are, I wanted to kind of run through some of your, well, all of your albums as far as the titles, and um, let me know if I'm missing anything. But it, it, you started okay, out with sure. you started out with Out of the Womb in '81. Uh, you wanted to feed us right, yeah. a few years later. Yeah. Uh, Here today, Guano tomorrow, which commercially I think. Would you say that was one of your bigger hits, uh, album-wise? It was pretty popular, yeah, because it had that sort of kind of crossover metal thing, kind of, and it was kind of a spoof of crossover metal, really. I thought it was a bit of a parody of it, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that was pretty successful. And then you wanted the two dogs then, fucking, which is yeah, pretty pretty acclaimed. A lot of our friends feel like that's their favorite, one of their favorite albums. Eric, of course. Yeah, uh, I, I really like that. A lot of stuff on that myself too. Yeah. Yeah, and then Little Man of the Canoe. So you're right. That's are... the first one. I was not on that record, nor was I on Corporate Horrors. So '95 and '96. That's when you were out uh, doing other things. That's right. And then you that's came right. back. Uh, you came back uh, in '99 with Death Race 2000, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then here's where I think I wanted to ask you specifically. You put out an album in '04 uh, called Holy Shite, and you kind of went a little bit more. Um, I don't know. You got a little more politically involved. Lyrically? It was a little more, it was in parts. It was, I don't know, I mean, it, it's got, a, it's got, I did get a little more political sort of from that time on, I got, because the world was getting messed up, you know? Yeah. A lot of weird things going on and that, uh, and, uh, but, but yeah, there was a little more politics on that one. I mean, I guess, I mean, I didn't really get very political. There's a bit of social commentary on all of the other stuff that I did, but it's kind of, it's buried in, deep <laughs> semi-obscene sarcastic humor kind of thing it's not <laughs> yeah. so upfront as maybe as uh as it is in that in I, just noticed, there. I just noticed uh, personally that it seemed like there's just a little bit of a shift lyrically with you uh, during that time which is good because like you said there was a lot of turmoil especially here in the states i don't know yeah. what canada was like then in 04 but here it was you know it was pretty nuts and then uh yeah things are going crazy and then uh, Armageddon, Armageddon Survival Guide you mentioned before. Um, so yeah. you, you guys have you guys have maintained. And then of course you know you did Hate Speech just recently came out. Um, you've been pretty consistent every four or five years, I guess. You guys put something out, and uh, there haven't yeah, been a lot of gaps, it. right? Right, right. So and, um, I mean, the band never stopped playing either. I mean, those guys kept it going with uh, a different singer and stuff like that, and we did. In Death Race 2000, that was both me and Jimbo, the other guy, singing on that record. And uh, then in uh, Armageddon Survival Guide, that was just me and Mark and uh, Willie Jack. Bonehead had left the band. We had Blind Mark playing drums now. And uh, I got it. I mean, right now, I'm super happy. We've got the best, best lineup we've ever had. Mark is a fucking machine on the drums. And he's a super nice guy. He's a really good, solid, honest human being, you know? Man, it's just me and uh, me and Mark and uh, and Sketchy the Clown now playing, and we've got it down. We're good. We're going on tour in about a week, right across the country. Is a trippy one, though. And it's some of this uh, some politics that I don't really feel comfortable talking about. It's got to do with DRI, but uh, we were yeah. supposed to go right across the country with DRI, and. Uh, some funny stuff has come up about DRI's past, and I'm not going to really gossip about it or anything. I'll leave it up to them to defend themselves on it. It's it's a weird, unpleasant fucking thing, anyway. Yeah. So but, uh, yeah, we don't need to talk about that. But uh, so let's talk about that album, Two Dogs Fuck, and we know that's Eric 
Eric's favorite album from you guys? Two Dogs Fucking, eh? <laughs> well, it's uh, it was a, sort of a lot of it had to do with the response to the uh, court case and stuff like that. I mean, it started like the whole the title of the album came from uh, me and Mike, the native dude that was in the banner, sitting there talking and having a beer one day. And I told him that joke about, I don't know if you've ever heard it, the joke of the native kid asks his dad how he got his name. And he goes, uh, well, because I'll tell you, my son, he goes, when your brother was born, I looked out of the teepee and I saw a bear walking across it. <laughs> across the clearing there or something like this so I called him Black Bear and and your daughter is prancing gazelle and goes now tell me two dogs fucking why do you ask this question <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mike thought that was pretty damn funny eh? so uh, so we decided we're going to call the record that anyway just for fun and uh, then uh, the, the song like that title song is essentially just a, I would have put the Jim Fitzgibbon's address in there if I could have found it but uh that's uh, that's just it was a joke at then, you know. And uh, there's uh, the actual music on that. That's where I'd sort of gotten really into this uh, jazz guy named John McLaughlin, believe it or not, who plays a lot of weird. Uh, he plays a lot of stuff in strange. Uh, what would you call them? Synthetic modes or something like this. Different non non uh, Pythagorean, not Pythagorean scales, but a bunch of real weird ones, eh? And uh, I, I got into this one group of scales called the tone-semitone scale. The semi, there's semitone tone and tone-semitone. They're both just two modes of each other. And just about that whole album is written in that. That's why it's got that real diminished chords and all that weird sort of melodies and stuff like that going on. A lot of that was on there. Yeah, there's a few others. I mean, isn't that, that's one that's got uh, a cover of I Almost Cut My Hair on it, too. That was kind of... That was sort of, I don't know, a popular version of the same response to the censorship and shit with the cops looking in the mirror and seeing a police car there and all that shit. But, uh, and then there was the one on, yeah, the first song, I think the first song is Ben Gets Off on that. That was, uh, that was about Ben Hoffman, the guy from Fringe Product and stuff. He started making fun of him, got more into that and stuff. <laughs> but uh, for, for the most part, that was me and Mike Jack wanking off as much as we possibly could on that album. It was, uh, the only thing that bothered me about it was the sound. It was, uh, it was John, we got John Wright from No Means No help us with that. And, uh, and, uh, he kept fucking changing the sound. No Means No are very mid-rangey. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. they don't have a heavy guitar sound. Yeah, yeah, and I kept bass. talking, going, look, I want the guitars to be heavier than this. And he kept switching them back to that really mid-rangey sounding guitar. And I've never really, I want to remix it, actually. But, uh, you know, this might happen one day. When I hear it now, it doesn't sound as bad as it did to me at the time. When I heard it then, I didn't like it at all. But now it sounds sort of seems more normal because I guess I've probably got more experience and my ears don't work as well as they used to or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no, John, not that John did a lousy job or anything like that, but uh, John's, you know, he's an old friend and shit, and he's a pretty good dude. But uh, we, because, uh, I mean, no means no, and us, we sort of started at the same time, played the same show, played together lots and lots of times, even though we're completely different bands and stuff like that. We, we did a lot of shows together back in the day. There was yeah. another band from here, too, called the Neos, that were... Uh, they were a pretty influential band out of Victoria. We played a lot with them as well, too. They were cool. 
I really like the Neos, actually. They're one of the first real speed core bands, you know, just playing so fast. They just play so fast until they could, until it fell apart and then they'd start again. Nice. <laughs> it was pretty awesome to watch live. That's right. So you guys grew up with No Means No. That, I mean, No No Means No is a good band. I, I, I really dig that, that band for sure. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. Are yeah. you guys going to be coming back to America anytime soon? Because that'd be really cool. Yeah, well, we're trying to. I mean, we've been we've been working with Ron Martinez for a while there, and I've done a couple of tours with him, but I guess he's, he's really scaled things back and cut it down to a couple of bands and shit. So we're trying to find somebody to book us some shows. There's, I mean, we can get a shoot, you know, we can get a bunch of shows at some pirate punk houses and shit like that, but it's sort of rather, you know, I'm a little old for sleeping on the floor of pirate punk houses and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy right hella, now though. Hella fun, you know, the scene's strong. But, uh, right now. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we're trying to get something going, coming down in the fall. Maybe we've got the summer pretty well booked up, but, uh, We've been talking with a couple of guys. I mean, we did the last trip we were across. We did went from actually we started in New York and went all the way down to where are we going to California, sort of thing like that, with negative approach, and then oh, hooked up with. Yeah, that was actually that was the last time we were in the states. It was with negative approach. Yeah, went all the way down to Phoenix. That's right, with from from the East Coast. Those guys are across that way. That was a riot. Gee, those guys are fucking so good. Yeah, that was a really good time. They're on tour and, with uh, uh, Circle Jerks right now. They're on. Yeah, what was that, Jerry? They're on tour with the Circle Jerks right now. Negative. Oh approach. yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. Hey, uh, look, can yeah. I ask you when when you play California, especially like SoCal, like our our neck of the woods? Do you, do you remember any venues or any shows that stand out, or did you have a place you particularly like to play out here? Uh, we played, before we played, I don't know, we played in the farm a few times there in San Francisco and sort of L.A. getting around there, played at uh, a bunch of places. I mean, there's that, what's his name, Linda's Doll Hunter, whatever, the tiny little place on the beach. Oh, yeah, there. And, yeah. And uh, we played in, like, mostly pretty small places and stuff. Got ripped off half of the time, you know, but uh, oh, still went, I mean, played in, uh, I mean, God, we played Al's bar. In fact, we played both of Al's bars. We played the one that El Duce used to work in. And uh, we played uh, the other, there's another one there where they filmed uh, that Jack Black movie or something like that. that we played there, too. A couple of them played there a few times, actually. I could see and, uh, uh, Daglo at Alex's bar. That would be sick. That I hope you come back. That place is still standing. Yeah, so, Alex's uh, bar <laughs> is going crazy right now. But yeah, we we got to get you out here somehow, man. Because yeah, the, that was, yeah, there was some good shows there. The copy played there with these guys, GG uh, Elvis. I think he was called. They were called. They were fucking really good, eh? And I went to the can and dropped the bees, which was a <laughs> long and awkward. It's another. That's a completely other conversation. That one because it was pretty funny what had happened there. They got no fucking wall around their toilet in there, eh? I go in there to take a shit, and I'm like, fuck, there's no wall in here. Awesome. And this fucking guy comes in, he goes, oh, my God, what the fuck, dude? And he turns around, <laughs> opens up the door, and he goes, hey, you guys, this shit really does stink. For <laughs> then another, like, five or six guys in the can. And I'm going, like, what the fuck? You pass me the shit tickets over there? Like, they're over on the wall behind you there. I can't reach them because you guys are all standing there staring at me, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Okay, anyway, anyway, this Gigi Elvis band was playing. I thought they were fucking really good. Oh, Gigi Elvis. And, I know those dudes. That's a little wild. But I missed the end. I missed the last bit of his set there. <laughs> and I guess things get a little weird at the end of their set. I came out and I'm like, wow, dude, you guys were awesome. And I'm shaking his hand and everything like this. And I walk away and this guy goes, man, I can't believe you just shook that guy's hand when he had it halfway up his ass a couple of seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, Jesus, I didn't know that. Oh, well, what the fuck? Hey, I mean, wait my hand on him and walked away. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't want to, I, I don't, you know, it's, uh, we don't want to keep you all night. I, I realize it. We appreciate your time. But uh, my friend Eric, again, did ask me to ask you one more thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to do okay, it. Sure. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Chris Jericho. He's a pro wrestler. Um, and he's also, he has a band called Fozzie. And I believe he's also yeah. Canadian. Now, the reason I bring him up is evidently uh, our friend Eric uh, talked to him on Twitter. And he, uh, mm-hmm. he, because you're both Canadian, he mentioned, hey, have you ever heard of the Dayglo abortions? And I guess he answered right back with, I fucking love the Dayglo abortions. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a cool. pretty big fan. So I don't know if you're familiar with him or his band. He, Eric was wondering if you were what familiar was the, with What was his band called again? Uh, Fozzy, F-O-Z-Z-Y. Uh, they're kind of a metal no, band, I, I think. Be- yeah, I'm not sure. I don't well, think I've ever heard of them. I, well, I don't remember names good, but... Uh, well, somewhere out there in Canada, there's a pro WWE wrestler who loves your band. Yeah, so they're pretty big. That's oh, big, yeah, right? no, I've, I've right? ran into a few. There. Like, there's an underground wrestling circuit that goes around. And we played a couple of times with guys where they got wrestler guys for the backup. Like, they had a wrestling match for the backup band and shit at this one place we played at. It was pretty fun. I, I, I get a kick out of, like, the underground stuff. They, they're a little more rowdy in that. Yeah, yeah. The backyard. I used to go to the backyard wrestling shows. Those <laughs> those. Were yeah, 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 backyard, you know, late night kitchen wrestling, all of that stuff. <laughs> right on, man. But Convicted uh, from your house wrestling, you know. So, yeah, but before we leave, um, so you guys don't have any official plans to come out to the United States. Are you guys doing anything else? You want, is there anything else you want to plug? We haven't got anything booked yet, but we're trying to get something going on. There's, we got a couple of lines. on TV. I don't actually do the booking uh I got the other guys to do it. Matt does it, our bass player. And uh, he's sort of been, he's, he's, I think he's pretty well given up on Martinez. I don't think he's really wants to deal with it anymore or something like that or deal with us or whatever the deal is. But uh, but uh, we're going to, uh, yeah, we're going to try and get uh, get somebody that'll, that'll fucking book some shit. There's a guy over in uh, Tacoma there. Uh, can't remember the name of his band, but I can find him out. And he's, he said he's going to book us some shows around there. We have to get work visas. So we have to do this all two oh, months in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we have to cough up a bunch of money, you know, and then it's still hit and miss. They can keep the money and not give you your work visa. It's like it's actually just a bribe to some judge that decides whether or not he wants oh, you to come in. Eh? But we've got a guy who's going to get us a show at the beginning. You can do it for an entire year when you get it done. So we're essentially going to get year-long work visas, and then we can come in and out of the States as we like for the year. That's the plan. But we got all of this shit to take. We got to get a crowd. We got the summer to take care of. So while we're playing this summer, we're going to be trying to be booking something for the States in the fall, I think is the plan. Well, if there's anything we could do to help facilitate that, man, we would love to do it. Yeah, is there anybody out there that can book the Dayglo abortions? uh, Hit us up because, uh, yeah, we need to get these guys out here for sure. Uh, anything else yeah, okay. you want to? Anything else you want to plug or talk about? Do you have anything? 
Yeah, but the only thing is we we do. You got the records all the way up to Armageddon Survival Guide. We had this one that we just we recorded in the middle of COVID there, and just it's still in the pressing plants, and it's going to be out soon. An uh, unrest is called hate speech, and uh, it's it's good. It's uh, really good. And I'm working on another one too called Upside Down World. It's got you, know, you probably you may or may not like this. I don't know. It's got a it's about all the weirdness going on in the world. You got the first song I've written for it. I got about half of them done now. But the first song is called "I'm Woman, Hear Me Roar," and it's about this. Uh, you remember the old song there? I can't remember who did that. Helen Reddy or somebody like that. But uh, it's about this guy. Who says, I used to be the smallest guy on my hockey team. Now I'm the toughest girl in the women's league. I score every time I step on the ice. And shit like this. And he goes, I am woman. Hear me roar. He shoots. He scores. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, forward to it, man. Fun, yeah, we can't wait for that yeah, one to yeah. come out. Um, all right, man. Well, hey, dude, thanks, thanks for uh, t- taking the time to talk talk to us tonight. And, uh, and you know. We're stoked. That okay, no worries. Sorry about last week there, or the week, a couple of weeks ago. No, you, week had, you had the perfect excuse, man. If it was for any other reason, that we'd be bummed. But you know, LSD. Okay, that's cool, man. good, no good, good. Hey, man's, good. Man's got to do what a man's got to do. You got to relax, right? <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, okay. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to take us out on a on a Daglo song. This is, uh, I mean, I don't know. There's so many. Um, I want to do bedtime story. On, it's on the Fidesz okay. uh, album. All right, man. Take care, buddy. Yeah, have you ever heard uh, Napalm Death's version of that? No. We oh, Napalm Death does a cover of it. It's pretty smoking. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll Bar- look Barney that up. got up on stage. Yeah, Barney got up on stage with us and sang it a couple of times. Holy fuck, does that guy have some pipes on him, I tell you. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, I got to look that up. <laughs> he, just, he was loud in the PA just about it. He's like, whoa, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, a- he did that. There's actually a... a album this guy put out an album a couple of years ago well a few years ago now it's got all kinds of bands on it doing covers of our songs it's got municipal waste does acting like black sabbath really? does oh, Dia, Side with corpse grinder on vocals does inside my head oh, Fucking, uh, the napalm death one's not on there though because that was that was uh century media thinks they own the song now or some shit like that so they couldn't put it on there but there's a bunch of, it's pretty good it's called fuck it. The hell is it called? It's called "You Can't Take a Joke" or "Fuck the World If It Can't Take a Joke." That's what it's called. Nice. Well, All look right. that up, everybody. I'm going to look that up, man. Thanks for letting us know about there, that. Yeah, there's a lot of good bands on it. Bronx, I think, are on it, and fucking all kinds of them. Nice, nice. All right, man. Yeah, right. yeah. It was. Man, uh, this has been this has been a, a fucking treat for us, man. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us some of your time. Hey, no worries, man. No worries. All right, man. Have a, have a good night. Yeah, you too. Cheers. All right. Bye, guys. All right. Take care.
Man, that was a, a fun interview. I mean, you know, it took a little bit of effort to get get him on the phone with us, you know, because of that last trip he was on. But man, he he, he had a lot of lot of stuff to talk about. Man, it was it was it was a really fun interview to hear those stories, you know. And I I always wanted to know a, a lot of those questions that we asked him, and that was great. And he got a little into like music theory. Well, like we all agree, man, the the guitar work on those albums is pretty pretty impressive, man. So like it, I, I was a little surprised to hear him going to that too, but it was neat because it explains a lot, you know. Yeah, like he knows his shit. So uh, as usual, every time we uh, wrap up a show, we like to you know talk a little bit about what's coming up for the uh, Punk Rock Chronicles, what we're gonna do, and we also like to plug some shows. So can we? Um, Maybe Stan, do you want to talk about what we got coming up for the Punk Rock Chronicles before we start plugging shows? Yeah, so I just confirmed our interviews with uh, some '90s bands. Um, we're going to be meeting with there was a, an all-girl band called Forgasm that was playing a lot in Orange County in the '90s, um, and they had members of F Minus, which is another Orange County. I think they're out of Huntington Beach. So we're going to be getting stories from them. And then there's a band called Foxy, which is it's just a mix mash of, of different members playing with each other. <laughs> playing with each other. I mean, didn't mean to come off that way, but like jamming together is probably the best way to say it. Um, <laughs> I think that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mix mash of uh, bands jamming together and, and creating music. So um, and I think Foxy's actually going to be coming out with they're they're playing again from what I saw. So it'll be cool to hear their stories. But, um, yeah, so that's coming up soon. We're going to be, you know, we're just interviewing away, man. Uh, you know, we're not stopping. So we're, we're, we've got more interviews coming up. So that's in the immediate future. Awesome, man. And we're, um, we're, working, on, we're working on still some other things, too, um, that we're going to kind of hold back on a little bit, some other interviews that we're trying to lock down. Do you guys have any shows you want to plug before I start going into my spiel? Um, you know, I think uh, you, you go in your spiel first. All right. Well, I got a, I got a few. Um, so and they're not in order of dates, but they are all coming up in the next um, couple of months. So first off, we got the Dickies, Guttermouth, Shattered Faith, Sidekick, and the Functional Lunatics, July first. Um, and I, I believe that's at the Observatory. I don't know. I'm not sure what the cover is. It's probably what, like a thousand, uh, like twenty bucks. A thousand. Uh, so, uh, so for the Dickies, great, well worth it. Uh, go check them out. Uh, it is twenty bucks. I was right. Um, we have another one that's really kind of cool. Um, Joe Wood used to sing for TSOL uh, during the Change Today era, which is you know uh, around the, uh, you know, somewhere in between the beginning and the current iteration of of uh, TSOL and uh, Joe Wood's going to be playing Change Today, Change Today the album uh, in at Alex's bar on um, June 24th and he's playing with a band do you guys remember the Streetwalking Cheetahs? Yes. Yeah, they're back or maybe they weren't uh. even away I just haven't heard that name in a while uh, and the infamous Stiffs the antivirals and um, the legendary Swagger. Again, that's uh, Alex's uh, the 24th of June. Then we got Decry, Decline, Radio Chickenheads, Vile Life, Venomous Pinks, The Pawns. Uh, that's coming up uh, July 16th in Upland. And it's the Taco Punk's birthday show. And all three of us are really big fans of the Taco Punk's. Oh, yeah, those guys make great tacos, man. And they and play they cool have, music. And they have a super cool-looking trailer. 
Yeah, their trailer is cool, man. Those the guys. Trailer looks like Rob's room. <laughs> I wish I could hire those guys to come cool. <laughs> cook for us sometime. You know, I had some event. One thing's going down though that I just found out about today is Nardfest, uh, August sixth. We don't know the lineup yet, but I just know that that show is going to be announced soon uh, with the lineup. But uh, probably, um, actually, by the time this comes out, it would have been released <laughs> but yeah no. narfest narfest was rad because that's that's where we got our start with the ill repute documentary um well we actually released it and premiered it at the first nardfest and that, that was such a, a fun show and then the following year we did our book documentary release party at the show and um so we had a couple first a uh, couple years that that festival went on we, we got to be involved in it and everyone in that scene's cool I, I think ventura's got one of the strongest punk scenes in in on the planet uh i went out there with you a couple of years ago to do some interviews and i'd never been out there i never met any of those people i'm a fan of of, of course like dr no like you know what i mean bands like that uh you know uh all those guys out there were so were so welcoming and, and nice and um, yeah man it's a really strong scene you could tell that they're all very very much um, still you know uh, a community um, do you remember the lineup when you premiered your documentary at that show because it was a pretty epic lineup yeah it was all like uh, it was like ill repute um, aggression stalag thirteen. Damn, there were so many bands. Man, and all those uh, bands. Doctor No, it wasn't Doctor No played the second year, I believe, mm-hmm. or did they play the first year? The with Kyle Toucher singing. Um, man, yeah. Just, hey, did did the RK Aliens play one of those gigs? They did, but that was later. Yeah, I think like the third or fourth year oh, okay. they played. Yeah. So this every year they do it, man. It's a strong lineup, man. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good. So this year is gonna be no no different. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, and I, I, I don't know, you know, it'll probably be at the Ventura Theater. And are, we, is cool. are we making the trek? We should. I think we should represent. Yeah. It, yeah, the last time we were out there, I wasn't out there for any of those, by the way, those shows. But um, I, I was always jealous. I, I missed them. So if we get the opportunity this year, we should roll. We should do a podcast out there. That is an idea. Set up at someone's there? house and just uh, do daytime podcasting interviews and then... Go to the show at night. That sounds rad. Let's do it. Yep. So, uh, so right. it looks like we got ourselves a plan. Um, Chris, anything else you want to? No, just our next week um, podcast interview. Because, man, it's hard to separate the. We got the podcast and we got the documentary interviews. But I think this one's going to be good. Um, it's going to be Kevin Stead from Instead, our first straight edge hardcore band. From Orange County. Super stoked, man. I, I've said it a million times in different places, but I, I love that band. Um, and uh, they have a great, you know, not not a huge discography, but what they put out is all gold, man. So They were one of the first Epitaph bands. For the hardcore. Yeah, yeah, you're right, huh? Or like yeah. early 90s. Yeah, and they toured with like a lot of non, you know, like what I loved about them is they would be on a bill with like Bad Religion and all these other punk bands. They didn't just play, you know, hardcore shows. 
No, I always saw them opening up just you know punk shows. You know, they would always open up for Bad Religion. I remember seeing them. Yeah, with Bad Religion a lot. So that's going to be great. So we're looking forward to that. And um, if there, you guys have anything else you want to send us out with before uh, we do the last song? Um, no, I'm good. All right, uh, Stan. No, I'm good. All right, awesome, guys. Well, then um, I think we're going to go ahead and take off now. Um, Stay tuned for the next episode. In the meantime, uh, I've, I've been trying to think of what song I wanted to go out with. And um, there is a band, uh, there is a band called, uh, well, they're now known as Jug's Revenge, but they used to be Jughead's Revenge. And then there was some sort of legal entanglement, I guess. So uh, this one uh, is from one of their earlier albums. It is, uh, it's a track called The Last Last Goodbye. Or, sorry, The Last Last Laugh, not The Last Last Goodbye. And, um... I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Great band. Check them out, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. See ya. Murder, revenge, and incident memories. I try to force to leave me behind.